Um, look, for everyone new in the building or online, we'd like to say, welcome home. Because to quote the Olive Garden, when you're here, you're family. <laughs> oh, y'all said it. That was so good. If you're just joining us today, in the last five weeks, we've been talking a lot about our neighbors. Last week, Connor brought a good word about our neighbors who live next door. In the weeks before that, we identified that our neighbors are also the local businesses, those on the fringe in foster care, and our students, teachers, and parents who make up the local school district. We've been talking so much about neighboring because in the Bible, there's a story that's titled The Good Samaritan, where some book smart snooty Karen, I, I mean, religious teacher, uh, tried to test Jesus by asking him, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So then Jesus said, you're the one that went to law school, you tell me. The man answered from the Old Testament, uh, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And most important, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, B-A, say with me, good neighbor, yeah. So right now, I would just love for all of us to take one minute to greet the neighbor sitting next to, behind, or front of. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. If you do know them, tell them their love. Let's take one minute to love our neighbors right now. Yeah. Yeah, hug your neighbor. There you go. That's it. Some fist bumps is good. Some handshakes. Some of y'all have some complicated handshakes. That's good. I love it. I love it, I love it. Okay. All right, all right. Settle down, settle down, settle down. Enough, enough love in here. No more love. <laughs> well, look, so, so summer's winding down. We're putting away our beach chairs. Teenagers are learning they probably shouldn't stay up till four in the morning. And parents are happy because the house is quiet again. Now, I don't know what you did this summer, but I watched a lot of movies and a lot of reality game TV shows. So before we do anything else, before the message, I just need to pray. Lord, I apologize for using your church as a way for me to fulfill my dream of being a reality game show host. Who's ready to play What's That Movie? Yeah. All right, here's how it works. I'm gonna, quote a, uh, I'm gonna say a quote from a movie, and if you recognize it, just yell out the character and title of the movie. If you guess them all correctly, Y'all will win a huge prize. Ready? Cool. This is for me, so. Number one. Yo, Adrian. Yeah, that's Rocky from Rocky Balboa. All right, number two. When your enemy's making mistakes, don't interrupt him. You don't know that, huh? That's, that's Billy Bean and Moneyball. Y'all ever seen that? Yeah, Brad Pitt. Number three. This is for my nerds. It is useless to meet revenge with revenge. It will heal nothing. Ugh, Lord of the Rings. Frodo. I love that you said Star Wars, though. Number four. I could do this all day. Hey, come on. Captain America. All right, this next one is my favorite one. Number five. Oh, it's awesome, Jelly Man. The little dudes are just eggs. We'll leave them on the beach to hatch. Then cuckoo, kachoo, they find their way back to the big old blue. Finding Nemo. What's his name? That's Crush from Finding Nemo. Yeah. All right, this is the last one. This is the last one. This is the last one. Welcome to Indiana basketball. 
Hoosiers. Congratulations, y'all. Congratulations. Good job. All right. Um, now, I actually don't have a prize, but the real prize is your eternal salvation. How about that? Uh-huh. But for real, though, what do, we, what do all these stories have in common? Every single one of these films had someone we call the underdog. The dictionary definition of the underdog is a loser or predicted loser in a struggle or a contest or a victim of injustice or persecution. If we keep going with the Good Samaritan story in Luke chapter 10, it looks like the religious teacher is testing Jesus again with another question. Instead, this time he said, well, then who's my neighbor? So Jesus answers with a short story about a Jewish man in verse 30 who was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. Jesus says that our neighbor is the underdog. And if you feel like you are an underdog or, or if you've been the underdog, just know that the only thing God wants us to be under is his lordship. There is an over that God wants us for us. That's why he sent his only son from heaven to earth because without Jesus, we are still under the weight of sin and death. So today, I want us to identify our neighbors who are under so we can help bring them to the one who can pull them to a place of over. Sound good? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Father God, I thank you for all the hearts that are in this room, all the people in this room. Holy Spirit, make your way. Holy Spirit, use me to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke 10, verse 30. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. Now, Jesus never tells us why this man was going to Jericho. He could have been going over there to visit his mom. Maybe he was on his way to start a new job or move into his dorm room at JU. That's Jericho University. <laughs> Maybe he wanted to see his favorite band, the Ren Collective, play at the synagogue in Jericho. Who knows? Shameless plug, they're coming. <laughs> Point is, attacks from life can come when you least expect it. Most of, if not all of us here, have been under attack in some way, shape, or form by one, if not multiple events and people. The Jewish man in Jesus' parable went through a traumatic event. Can we agree on that? And those uh, kinds of attacks, the kind of trauma, can change us from being over to under. For example, the boyfriend who cheated on you, that spouse who verbally abused you, the coworkers, the coworkers who made you feel stupid, the group of friends who betrayed you, the family member who touched you in the middle of the night, and that time you were mugged in broad daylight. All are attackers who contributed to your trauma. Some of us have been attacked by our circumstances, situations we were just born into. For example, my grandma couldn't help being born into a third world country in a poor family. Your father leaving you and your mom before you even learned how to walk, you didn't ask for that. If you were born as a black American before the Emancipation Proclamation, you had no choice but to consider yourself a slave. These are all mental, emotional, physical, and circumstantial attacks. Yo, we gotta dig deep sometimes. What attacks have you been under? Because if there's one way in which we can all relate with this Jewish man in the parable, it's that he was attacked. And not just attacked, but he was attacked by bandits. Let me explain this. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus calls the devil a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Can someone please yell out the answer, what do bandits do? They steal, that's right. 
How many know that the enemy wants to steal your joy? He wants to kill your faith in God. He wants to destroy your hope for heaven. I dare say that if you don't have something worth stealing, the devil won't come after you. But in John 16, 33, it says, I, that's Jesus, have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials. That's just a fact. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Because we're not in heaven yet, being under is part of the earthly human experience. And as a follower of Christ, we have this crazy extra bonus of a supernatural enemy trying to keep us away from our father, our dad. But yo, we have a choice. We can either allow the devil to steal or allow Jesus to heal. Our good neighboring has to open our eyes to everyone's moments of under so we can rely fully on the power of Jesus Christ, who is the overcomer. Make sense? In the parable of the Good Samaritan, we can actually get a pretty clear description of what an underdog is. Because after this Jewish man was attacked by bandits, the result of it was that he was stripped of his clothing. He was beaten up. He was left behind and he was half dead beside the road. That's four. Four different ways to be under, but also four different ways for us to be good neighbors. So when Jesus tells us that this Jewish man was stripped of his clothing, I immediately thought, dang, this messed up. They took his plaid shirt, the jeans he got from Kohl's, and his Timberlands. <sighs> but actually, it was more like, it was more than that. This man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Think Cincinnati to Chicago, Okay. On a trip like that, you would have some more stuff with you, right? Like food, some water, snacks, and money. So if that's the case, then this guy wasn't stripped of his clothing. He was also stripped of his resources. Everything that was on him, the bandits took. And at that moment, this man became under-resourced. Based on a stat on healthcareaccessnow.org, as of July 12, 2022, According to federal standards, 28.7% of Cincinnati's, uh, Cincinnatians are living in poverty. That means one out of every three and a half residents of Cincinnati live in poverty. Man, that means here in our home city, we've got people we see almost every day who we would never think are struggling are actually burdened with trying to make ends meet. Friends, that's our friends, that's our family, that's our coworkers. We see them all day long, we never know. Have we gotten used to ignoring our neighbors when they're struggling? That's my question. Proverbs 28, 27 says, whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Have we closed our eyes to the number of kids that go to bed hungry? Kids who have a home but have no food in the fridge? To all my students out here, please don't ever take your after-school snack for granted. Because there are kids in your class who are living under the poverty line. That means their only food for the day is the lunch they get in third period. That's crazy. And then how many times have we had an extra 20 in our pockets but decide not to give it to the person on the street because we were afraid of what they might do with it? Amen, I did that. Yeah, well, there it is. Well, did you know that that person might actually live next door to us? Look, please hear me. It's important to have wise judgment, right? because we want to teach people, not enable them. But please, don't let that harden your heart. The curse that the proverb is talking about doesn't have anything to do with magic or bad luck, but it has everything to do with us losing our empathy 
Closing our eyes and ignoring our neighbors who are under-resourced brings us closer to ignoring Jesus himself. That's the curse. Because in Matthew 25, uh, verse 40, he says, look, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of these of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Man, I hope we can always remember that first part of the proverb. Whoever gives to the poor will like what? Nothing. Nothing. If I truly believe that that God is a good dad and that he's a good provider and that he gave his only son for us to be saved, then I have to believe that when I am following in his footsteps of giving, that he will continue to provide even when I'm lacking and under-resourced myself. He's a good dad like that. So if we go back to the Jewish man in Jesus' parable, he also said that the bandits beat him up. Later in the story, some religious people passed him by as he was still on the ground, meaning that this man was so battered that he couldn't even get up to find help. The Jewish man, have you ever thought about this? This Jewish man had broken ribs. Maybe he had a black eye, a bloodied lip, bruises, blood, dirt all over his body. Jesus doesn't tell us how long this man was laying on the side of the road, but at this point after this attack, he was undertreated. In the dictionary, it says to undertreat someone means to treat as a condition, disease, or patient inadequately. Are there people you can think of right now who are undertreated? People in your life who are visibly weary and tired because they've been dealing with an external condition? I'm talking like cystic fibrosis, HIV, maybe even cancer. What about those people who are dealing with things that aren't so visible, like depression, crippling anxiety, and suicidal thoughts? Sometimes the healthiest looking people on the outside are the most wounded on the inside. These internal bruises are the hardest to treat and the longest to recover from. Look, there's a story in scripture about a woman who's been undertreated for a long time. In Mark 5, 25 through 26, it shows us a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she got worse. This woman searched wherever she could to find healing. What about you? What about us? Have we looked deep enough in our souls to find the untreated wounds we've suffered after an attack? Because being a good neighbor means looking within yourself so you can see what's inside other people. For example, oh, I've got anger issues because my father beat me as a kid. I wonder why they're so angry. Yeah, it's hard for me to trust people because I've been abandoned so many times. How can I help you to believe in people again? It's like that. This woman with the issue of blood finally hears that there's this guy with miracle power named Jesus who's in her town. And she has a moment where she says, I mean, I've tried everything else. What do I have to lose? Have you ever been there? In Mark 5, 28, 29, it says, for she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, yeah, I'll be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. And look, how much you wanna bet that she told other people she knew about, about this? who were undertreated about this healer named Jesus. And because Jesus was both human and divine, can I just say that when it comes to those internal wounds of trauma and mental health, having both a therapist and the savior on your side will not only help you find healing for you, but healing for your neighbors. If we're open and relating with others about our wounds, encouraging them to seek professional help and showing them the ultimate healer, Jesus Christ, that is good neighboring. 
So I went on vacay this week, okay, with some family. Um, the house we rented had a pool, so naturally, we spent a good amount of time there. I decided to play a game with uh, two of the kids. I went to the side of the pool and I grabbed a, p- a pool noodle. And I told Isabel, who's 11, to hold, out, uh, to hold one of the other ends of the pool noodle so I could drag her along the side of the pool, you know, like a disappointing jet ski. And <laughs> so we're getting ready. But the Navy, who's four, says, wait, don't leave me behind. And so she hops on Isabel's back and now both of them are holding on. I pulled the pool noodle as hard as I could along the edge of the pool, woo, so fun. And after two times around, my arms, which are also noodles, by the way, gave out. (laughs) And the pool game I thought would be exciting became the start of a B.B. King song. (laughs) The thrill is gone, baby, it's gone. But what really got me was what Navy said to us. She said, she said, don't leave me behind. In the parable Jesus is sharing with us, he says that the bandits left this man behind. And it got me thinking about all the individual people and communities that have literally been left behind economically, socially, and politically. Those who are underdeveloped. Church leader Gordon B. Hinckley said this, in the underdeveloped countries, we have young men and women, many of them of capacity, but without opportunity to improve themselves. They cannot do so without help. And I know it's hard for us to think of people in other countries as our neighbors, but when I remember Jesus saying, go and make disciples of all nations, I kind of think he means all nations, including the underdeveloped ones. How can we as followers of Jesus even think of globalizing the idea of loving others with the gospel when we only think within our own state lines? Because the gospel, my friends, it's, it's meant to be global. And what about those nearby? Do we see potential in people around us? Because Jesus did. He sought out disciples that had no education, that's fishermen, and who were despised by society, tax collectors and zealots. All of them underdeveloped in lots of ways. But he didn't leave them behind. He trained them for three years. And then right before he ascended to heaven, he said this, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So who can you think of that needs to be developed? Who around you is yearning for growth but are feeling left behind? Isaiah 58, 12 says, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Fam, some of us have the ability through the Holy Spirit to literally rebuild people who've been left behind. Sometimes all a broken person needs is someone to teach them how to be put back together. The Jewish man in the parable is someone who needed another person to recognize his pain and his potential to be healed. A good neighbor is a rebuilder. By recognizing people's potential to grow, not just in their personal lives, but in their ability to change the world around them, we are worshiping God's power to use regular, everyday people to bring the glory of heaven right here to earth. A rebuilder. At this point, uh, as we're thinking about the Jewish man in Jesus' parable, we've already got like a pretty clear picture of someone who's literally half dead. Even if he just mentioned that this man was, you know, just stripped of his clothing, beat up and left beside the road, we would already know that this guy is broken by just those adjectives, right? So why does Jesus make a clear distinction that this man was half dead? Now, I don't believe that there are any words wasted in the Bible. So if we think of someone who is half dead, what do you imagine? Michael Jackson in Thriller, a zombie from The Walking Dead. 
I imagine someone who's so broken that their subconscious is taking them to another place so that they're unable to feel all the pain the body is experiencing. I remember the moment when my grandmother passed. She'd been living in hospice for a couple months now. She had a room in our first floor and uh, my mother saw all the signs. Labored breathing, eyes rolled back in the back of her head and silence and stillness. There was already like a huge family here at my house because we had all been expecting it. So we didn't know it was that time, but it was that time. We walked into the home, not into the home, into the room and we just sat there. But then she started to, her, her mouth started to move. She wanted to say things to us. She wanted to say goodbye. So some of us put our ears near her, her mouth. And guys, I wish I understood what she said, but I couldn't. She was half dead. She was on her way to heaven and I couldn't understand her. Fam, when I think about Jesus describing this Jewish man in this way, it makes me think that even when he was asking for help, it was hard to understand him. I believe at the end of the day that the underdog, he's just misunderstood. There are people in our lives who are asking for help but are misunderstood instead. Now, the other part of the Good Samaritan parable is that, is that two religious Jewish ministers who were supposed to be lovers of people passed this man by. One of them even took a closer look but not close enough to find out that this man lying on the ground was Jewish too. How many people do we miss out on relationships with because we're too scared of their brokenness? We're too afraid to dig deeper because they're different from us or they're going through a terrible season in life or they're making bad choices. We're misunderstanding people because we're not taking the time to understand them. How clean and pure does someone have to look for us to actually approach them? As followers of Jesus, yo, it's his mandate for us to step into understanding. There are people who are underwater, drowning in the ugliness of life, and we've been called to be the Baywatch lifeguards empowered with the powerful red float of the Holy Spirit. All TV references aside, my friends, we were made to not only understand our neighbors, but to help pull them back up. This parable Jesus is telling us has a title, and it reads, The Good Samaritan. But Jesus, Jesus never called him good in the story. He actually described him as despised. I believe that this despised Samaritan stopped to help this Jewish man because he understood what it was like to be under-resourced, under-treated, underdeveloped, and misunderstood. He knew what it was like to be under, do you? Do you remember the days when you had only 50 bucks to last you two weeks? Do you remember the depression you felt after you lost your job? Do you remember all the sleeping around you did because it was the only thing that helped you with your loneliness? I'm not asking you to donate hundreds of dollars to a nonprofit. I'm not asking you to condone people's sin. I'm just asking you to understand. The despised Samaritan understood the underdog because he was the underdog. Here's a quick history lesson. The Jews and the Samaritans were like Tom and Jerry, Thor and Loki, Eli and Peyton Manning. <laughs> Except it wasn't some cute sibling rivalry. These two groups of people with similar ancestry were divided racially, politically, and spiritually. They weren't just split. There was a, a chasm. When they saw each other, it was like they weren't even looking at people anymore. All they saw was their designation. Have we gotten this way in our country? 
where we don't even care about people's names anymore. We just label them liberal or conservative. I have to go here because Jesus did. When, when asked who was my neighbor, Jesus responded with a story about people who were separated by ideologies and titles that humans made up. Your neighbor is the person who votes differently from you. Can we accept this? Because I'll be the first to raise my hand. It's tough for me. I'm not here to condemn. I, I just want us to have a conversation. I have to decide for myself. I don't need to be liberal to be loving. I don't need to be conservative to be caring. I'm a follower of the king. Some of us would rather talk about politics than care about people. If we want to worry about the nation, then we need to worry about the neighbors in front of us first. Psalm 91.4 says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Guys, I'll be honest. I don't care about the left wing. I don't care about the right wing. I care about his wings. Because if this man-made man divide, we're missing out on helping people get to heaven. And that's heartbreaking. If Jesus Christ, the one who we claim to follow, can hang on a cross and bleed to death for those who hated him, and not just hated him, they stabbed him with a, with a spear in the side of his 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 ribs, and then he was, he was called different things. He was, he was mocked. Can we not just take the time to care about the person with a red or blue bumper sticker? Jesus had to come down from heaven to experience what it was like to be a regular person, a human being that was attacked, stripped of his clothing, beat up, and left half dead on a cross. This parable wasn't just a history lesson. It was a prediction with a purpose. Jesus became the underdog for us. And I don't want us to ever forget that. I don't want us to take that for granted. Come on, remember your own underdog story. And if you don't have one yet, trust me, it'll come. That's life. Sometimes all it takes is one person to teach you how to swim, right? Sometimes it takes multiple people over multiple years. But ask yourselves this question, where have you been under so you can help someone get over 2 Corinthians 8, 14 through 15 says, Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. The rules of equality by heavenly standards is that, is that when you're in a season of a lot, God will use you to bring up someone who's in a season of empty. Question is, are we willing? Because when we're in our own seasons of being the underdog, Man, don't we want people to show us the same compassion? So in Jesus' parable, he says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion. For five weeks in this teaching series, we'd have, we'd have all sorts of different, unique, beautiful people come up to talk about their experiences. And today, I'd like to bring up one more. My friend Andrea Holtman works for an incredible organization called Block Ministries that meets people right where they are, specifically, she is loving and caring for the sex workers in Price Hill. Women who need a home, who need food, clothing, and shelter. Andrea is able to provide all that through Weightless Anchor. So please welcome my friend, Andrea. What's up? Hello, hello, hello. How you hello, doing? Hello. Oh. How are you, my friend? Good, good. The, the, the pink in her hair is, the, is meant to symbolize her passion. That's inside. I didn't think you could see it that Yeah, well. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really that. clear, yeah. I thought it was really light. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, Andrea, thank you for being here. Thank you for having um, me. Thank you for um, answering my call to, to come up and, and share something with, with everybody. But before we get started, um, I, I think I do a poor job of, telling, of saying what you did. So please um, tell the people, what do you do? <laughs> um, by title, I'm the director of Weightless Anchor, which mm. is a daytime hospitality home for women on the streets in Price Hill. Mm. By description, I say that I love the person standing right in front of me. Yeah. It's the job of every person that walks in the door at Weightless Anchor, volunteer, staff, no matter who they are. Um, tangibly, what that looks like is building relationships, offering food, offering clothing, showers, a safe place to rest, and just giving people the hope of Jesus that they might not have already. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. so good. So, um, so you and I talked a couple days ago, and, uh, and I asked you, I said, look, uh, Andrea, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the underdog. And so, and I know that you... Um, you help a lot of underdogs. And so I would love for you to share uh, one story of, of an underdog who's now helping other underdogs with just compassion. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Um, it's funny, when he called me, there's instantly one person that came to mind because she lives in my heart, my head. Um, wasn't tough for me to figure it out. And I was thinking back on this last couple of weeks of the series and the Good Samaritan, and it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I think that all of us really genuinely hear this and think to ourselves, why would I ever cross the street? Like, yeah. Why would I ever step over the person? I would never see someone beat up, bloody, all these things I, without helping them. There's no way. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually my job to love them, and I have crossed the street and stepped over the person and not always helped. Yeah. Um, specifically, this person we're talking about, she couldn't fit a better parable in the Bible. Mm. She is the blood, or was, I guess, the um, bloody, beat up, half yeah. dead, stripped of everything on the sidewalk. Yeah. And I, I am fortunate to be able to walk to and from work. I spend a lot of time on the streets loving our friends and our neighbors. And I have in the past seen her and crossed the street. And I have in the past stepped over her as she mm. was bloody and beaten. Um, thankfully, not all the time. I can say that, not all the time. Yeah. Um, but looking back to when I met her, like thinking about the story and how just to, how to share her story, because there's just so much to it. She's human, just like me. Yeah. And I met her a few, few years ago on my first day at Weightless Anchor in August of 2019. And she's that person that you just see coming and you kind of hide. Like, let's go back to a movie reference. Yeah. All right. Love so movies. you guys, anyone that's at least roughly around my age would probably know the movie that... Um, there's a person you don't say their name more than three times because they show up. What is it? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. thank you. Yeah. yeah, so my friend became kind of known as Beetlejuice at Weightless Anchor hmm. because we were like, if we talk about her enough, she's gonna show up. Oh. And yeah. then our day's gonna be really, really, really hard Yeah. because her life was really, really hard. Hmm. Um, every day she walked in, she's living out of this place of trauma. Um, and many of the friends that we serve at Weightless Anchor, they are living in a place of trauma, yeah. which looks like living in just survival mode, trying to make it to the next moment. Not necessarily, they're, they're not saving for a college fund for their kids or retirement. They're trying to stay alive for one more minute. Um, and a lot of times that doesn't look like living at their full capabilities or full capacity. It looks like stealing and manipulation and how do I get fed and how do I get clothed? And that's hard sometimes, a lot of times. Um, so she would come in kind of high maintenance, hmm. um, trying to stay alive. 
and would want everything that we had to give, our time, our attention, our phones, our clothing, our food, everything we had. And you knew that you were going to spend hours on phone calls just to set up appointments for her. She was physically, mentally, spiritually unwell yeah. and getting progressively worse day by day. So when she would come in, we would spend hours on the phone with her, with all of our partners trying to find medical care and transportation and all the things. We'd get it all set up for the next day, and she wouldn't show up. Wow. <sighs> yeah. yeah. It's a little frustrating. But then she'd come in the next day and be like, sorry, I missed it. I was right. too high and forgot mm. um, in jail, uh, in the hospital, mm. or... One of the times I was actually beaten and left for dead behind a bush in the park and nobody knew I was there. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. So we would do the whole thing again. Make all the phone calls, give all the food, give all the clothes for another appointment to probably be missed. Yeah. Um, and this was two years of our relationship. Wow. Yeah. Hence the some days I crossed the street. Yeah. And I, I just didn't have it in me. We would see her coming, and we would all kind of step back to pray and say, like, whew, God, you're going to have to fill us completely today because I don't have it for this. That's right. Um, but she kept showing up, and so did we. And <laughs> so I actually called her yesterday. She just got back from a trip, and I called her yesterday and said, hey, I'm going to be on stage tomorrow, and I'm actually going to share parts of your story, more of our relationship. Um, first of all, is that okay? She's like, dude, my story is not my enemy. Come on. Share anything you want. Yeah. Let that um, be a lesson for all of us. Our stories are not our enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I said, and also on top of that, is there anything that you want to make sure that I share, like that I need to say? She was like, well, you got to make sure you tell the weightless hospital story. Um, and it's not something I've forgotten. It's something I put in the back of my head because it was a really, really tough season um, that ends really well. So that's great news. But, uh, um, so the two years of calling all the hospitals, doing all the things, making all the appointments, we land us, lands us in about November 2020, uh, which ended her in the hospital again, closer to death's door than she's mm. probably been in a long time. Yeah. Um, our friends in her position don't often like to be in the hospital because they're not treated very well, and they're isolated, and this is COVID, so it's even more isolating because not only are you in there where people probably aren't going to visit you a whole lot, people aren't treating you very well, but now it's COVID, so yeah. you're like extra. locked down, extra isolated. Um, so about three and a half hours into her stay, she checked herself out against medical advice, mm. as she'd done a gazillion times, and ended back up on the streets, where it was a really, really harsh winter. Yeah. Um, not just the weather, not just that, but she had been deteriorating really poor, badly inside and out. Her, um, she's living with HIV, and her status wasn't great. She, infection had been riddling through her body, eating away her bones. Um, so when, when I say that she was hobbling down the street, I mean like I would physically watch her crawling down the street or at the walker or um, whatever, anyone that could help her carry her, anything like that. Wow. So she oftentimes got stepped over, ignored. Right. Um, people would sometimes drop things to her so she could have whatever oh, was geez. available. Yeah. Um, so that was November. And and we were talking about it yesterday, and she said, it's funny, because before November, my prayer was just, Lord, take me home. I am done here. Um, I have no more hope to give. When she got out that, of the hospital that time in November and came back, we made those same phone calls we did every single day, hours on the phone, trying to set up appointments, only to hear on the other side of the line, yes, yeah, she's too high risk. Mm. We don't 
really take folks that are in this situation. Wow. So there's not really any hope for her left. Yeah. Sorry. Um, which is really hard to hear. So. Yeah. Um, but she was like, I, I, that was a turning point for her where now she said her prayers kind of changed to foxhole prayers where now it was, you know what, God, I actually think I do want to live. Yeah. Um, if you could just help me rest, I mm. just need rest. Um, so her prayers changed. Fantastic. I don't know this. I just still see her bloody beaten on the ground um, daily. Everywhere I walked and everywhere I went, making phone calls for places that don't want to help her. Fast forward a couple months, she lands just back in the hospital again. She has no idea how, she's got, how she got there. Um, the answer is she was completely unconscious on a snowy sidewalk with um, frostbite. She'd been there for days and um, was literally almost dead. She had been in the hospital for a couple weeks before she came to and realized what was happening and yeah. talked to all the people that were there. Of course, makes the first phone call to me because yeah. I'm the one that she calls all the time, which yeah. is great. I love right. it. Um, and she said, it was really crazy because I woke up and I felt weightless. Hmm. Like I left my old self on Warsaw Avenue. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, holy moly, this is, this is new. Yeah. I mean, I still kind of obviously think she's going to walk in the very next day. And because totally. she checked herself out and we're going to go through this all again. Yeah. But uh, her voice sounds different. She sounds peaceful. Mm. So it was really cool to just kind of have that, like see hope inside of her. Yeah. Um, and from there, she literally started fighting, wow. like fighting for her life, fighting for anything she could. Um, that was January, February-ish, 2021. Fast forward to now. Mm. It's August. It's our birthdays, actually. Her birthday is also in August. So Happy birth month, Thank you. Andrea. I appreciate it. Um, uh, we are both Leos, so we literally spend lots of time fighting for attention. Yeah. Um, I win because I have pink hair and she doesn't yet. But I called, she went, she actually made it, just made a trip back to California recently. Um, so I call her to find out how this is going, catch up with all these things. And I'm reminded that literally one month ago, I was on a virtual, invited to her virtual Zoom meeting for her to receive her one year medallion. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so I've, I've only stepped foot into like physical meetings for people. I've never had a virtual yeah, recovery meeting. So it's going to be new to me. It's a Saturday night. I think in my head, it's going to be 10 minutes. I'm going to pop on. We're going to say, yay. And then pop off. Cause right. it's zoom. What do you do? Um, two and a half hours later, there were still people talking about her, mm. um, speaking up to say she's changed my life. She's spoken to me. She's praised for me. She teaches wow. me scripture. She's always available for a FaceTime or a phone call. Um, 70 different people that we, that went through this gamut of just saying like, wait, I want to say something. Wait, I want to say something. She changed wow. my life. She changed my life. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's, it's just one of those super humbling yeah. experiences because if you ask her, she's like, dude, if it wasn't for Weightless Anchor, yeah. like somebody at place I could just keep showing up. Well, let that be a lesson that, guys, your persistence isn't pointless. There are times when we will be with people who we think, oh my God, they are, they're never going to get it. They're never going to get it. But with constant prayer, constant care, and just constant love. You know, I talked about my grandmother earlier, but guys, to all my grandparents in the room, Never give up on praying for your grandbabies and asking them to trust in God because it'll happen. And the same with this. Yeah. It sounds like you were gone in her life for a while and all that work and all that effort that you put into, you did not see fruition until later. Mm. That's good. That That's compassion. Good. And so, yeah. to, to, <laughs> thanks guys. Yeah. To, 
to end with her question. So this is my friend, and she, for three and a half years, every time I would see her, every time she would leave me, she would ask the same question every time, no matter what point in her life she was in, whether she was in the pit, on the sidewalk, in the hospital, anything, she would say, Andrea, when is God good? And if I didn't answer immediately, all the time, she would scream and dance and yell and make a complete idiot of herself to make sure that I knew that God is always good, no yeah. matter what. And she would say this when she was bloody and beaten, when she was wow. in a hospital, when she was fed, when she was clothed, anything that was always, that is always her response. Still to this day, when she calls me, that's how we ended our conversation yesterday. That's amazing. Andrea, when is God good? Well, All the time. Well, let's do that for us right now. Yes. Yeah, because we don't want to, okay, here we go. Ready? Ready? We don't, we don't want to make her mad. We don't want to, okay, here we go. When, when is, is God, God good? good? Amen. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Andrea, before, um, before we bring the band back up, band, you can come on out. Um, we're going to do one more song, but um, before, uh, they, you know, before they come back out, before we worship more, where can we find more info about Waitlist? Where can we, how can we, can we talk to you today? Like, what, what's, what's the deal? It's so funny that you ask. Hmm. We're actually going to have an information system just outside in room 204 right after the service. What? I know. Crazy. That's crazy. I know. Yeah. Stars aligned. I knew that. Um, also, if you are online, you can also find us online. You can Google Weightless Anchor Block Ministries. You can find us at oneblock.org. But I will be outside, and my pink hair is bright. Just yes. find me. You'll, and you'll see there. her. You'll, you'll see, see her. Yeah. Y'all, let thank this you. be. Um, thank you, Andrea. And, and let this be. Give her a round of applause, everybody. Y'all, the bottom line is, is to be good neighbors, we have to be compassionate, Right? We are a compassionate people because we're sons and daughters of God. Yo, it's in our bones. It's in our blood. It's in our DNA. We're not just meant to be good neighbors. We're built to be godly neighbors. We, we pour out kindness to those who are cast aside, who are supremely loving to those who are severely depressed. We give out hope willingly because hope was given to us and we didn't deserve it. Look, we can love the underdog because we are the underdog. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for allowing us to be in your presence today. Holy Spirit, thank you for the wonderful worship. Thank you for allowing us to be filled with you. Lord Jesus, help us to, to, to notice the underdog. Help us to be compassionate to the under-resourced, the under-treated, the underdeveloped, and misunderstood. Help us be compassionate to the students, to the teachers, and to, to those on the fringe, those in foster care, to our local businesses, and those living right next door. Because, because God, you're not just good, you're God. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>